always looking for those teachable moments and I've heard co-workers engage in those and it always just puts a smile on my face. It's very rewarding to go to bed at night and think I may have made a difference in somebody's lives. They may have been at the end of their rope and you know something I said or something I did for them change that for them and now they have a positive outlook on life you're listening to find the good news episode 115 the human story featuring christy como and katie pennington bartlett of the calcasieu parish public library find the good news is produced by parker brand creative services a branding agency that thinks sideways pushes forward and gets your brand up see what else we do at parkerbrandup.com If you've been listening to Find the Good News for any length of time, I'm sure you figured out that I, like so many, have an affinity for reading. My dad loved to read pocket books and comic books, and I'm certain that I can draw a direct line from my love for both of those things to the yellowing pages in his collection of Doc Savage books that now sit on my bookshelf. Reading opened up worlds, seeded my imagination, and stimulated my curiosity at a very young age. For all the wonders presented by the information age, I am thankful to have been born into a world decades before laptops, tablets, and smartphones started bending our necks. I recall loving the libraries in our community when I was a child. I would often ride my bicycle into town and make a stop there, library card in hand, looking for instructions for existing hobbies or chance encounters with new interests. The Calcasieu Parish Public Library in my hometown was a refuge filled with information that nurtured my young mind. Looking back, I feel grateful, and I also realize that I was likely unappreciative of this social staple. In this episode of Find the Good News, I had the pleasure of revisiting many of these experiences in my conversation with Calcasieu Parish Public Library Information Officer Christy Como and Calcasieu Parish Public Library Associate with Branch Programming, Katie Pennington Bartlett. This conversation put me face-to-face with the level of my own ignorance related to all of the offerings and services the modern Calcasieu Parish Public Library provides. Certainly, the public library is and will always be a resource for those with an appetite for page turning. But under the stewardship of passionate librarians, just like Christy and Katie, these repositories of diverse knowledge have become so much more. The library is an ecumenical hub that provides many free resources that some citizens would not have access to otherwise. As you'll learn in this conversation, our libraries are helmed by people that do much more than point citizens in the direction of their desired content. They are staffed by human beings that serve with open minds and listening hearts. I don't know where you live, but if you have a library in your community, I hope the spirit of this conversation with Christy and Katie will move you through its doors or motivate you to seek out its online portal. There, perhaps you'll find, as I have, that a library isn't just a home for good books. It is a cradle that carries on the collective stories of humanity, town to town, city to city, one librarian to one curious seeker at a time, all across the world. Now, ask yourself if you've got a current library card. If the answer is no, then make some time to get one. Prepare to meet your local librarian, who I am sure is eagerly waiting to assist you. Before you go, make sure you press play on a little good news. Wake up, it's morning. You're dreaming up a story I can hear. The way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep. On the path to your deliverance and a holy wall of light pouring through your window old news bad news fake news 
Sometimes you just want to shut it all down and get no news at all. With Find the Good News, I aim to change that by focusing on good people doing good work. I visit with artists, educators, civic and spiritual leaders, musicians, business owners, students, volunteers, and everyday citizens who are using their creativity, resources, and talents to bring hope and happiness to their corner of the world. In each episode, I dig into the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have street-level conversations about relatable things going on in their lives, discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that are anchoring them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of news in the world. My name is Oren Parker, and I'm going to find the good. So welcome to Find the Good News. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, this yes, will be fun. Appreciate it. It sounds like y'all have been through a lot. You've come out the other side and you've got a lot going on right now. We do. Um, you know, just like everybody else in our community, our libraries went through the storm and, you know, we, we didn't come out unscathed. We have damages at three of our major branches, in fact. But, you know, just like the rest of the communities, we've we've gotten up, we've brushed ourselves off and we're happy here to be able to, you know, provide our services to everybody because we realize that we do provide some sort of service in the fact of somebody may need just some a computer to use um, after the storms or, you know, they may just come in and want to soak up some air conditioning and just see a smiling face. And being able to do that just really makes our hearts warm and we're very happy to be able to provide that. That's interesting. Okay, so we're going to jump right in. I'm going to let this train just go wherever it's going to go. So I'm just going to say it. I'm talking to the folks with the Calcasieu Parish Public Library. And I've never actually had anybody on the show talking about the library before and in any capacity. I mean, we talk about books all the time, but, you know, that's such an oversimplification of what the library really is to the community, right? It right. is. We're so much more than books. Um, and I can let Katie uh, really elaborate because Katie is fortunate enough to work face to face with our public. But yeah, we're if you haven't been to the library in a while, you need to stop by because you're going to just be in awe over all the information outlets and even entertainment that we offer. I can add to that. I, I feel like the, our public library system is really a backbone in our community. Um, it is a lot more than books, of course. There, we have a wonderful selection of reading materials for everyone, and we purposely acquire books that we think many types of people in our community will enjoy. So there's something for everyone. But it's also about building on the wonderful community that we have. So we like to highlight different mm -hmm. things going on in our area. We have programming geared to every age group that continues lifelong learning and um, speaks to people or puts the information that our communi community members need into their hands. Um, and so we try to really meet our community where it is and provide for them the information that they're seeking or that they need or that they want. 
And exactly, you know, to go on what Katie just mentioned, that, you know, we try to provide what the community needs or wants, because in a way, we are part of the community. We need information on our own homes and things like that. So it's it's really just a sort of community center where not only we, but our patrons intermingle with each other to have a better learning experience you know for me i i have to i guess everybody does this you know you look at anything and when you try to analyze it it's fun sometimes or at least you can gain insight from looking at how something's been in your life and how it's changed throughout your life you know just your own lifetime and I talk to my son a lot, you know, he's, he's a, he's a graduated senior. And so he's like looking at the world and trying to figure out what he wants to do. And so we have a lot of conversations about life when I was his age, you know, what did life look like? And you, you, for me anyway, I look at like uh, hinge moments, you know, these sort of cruxes where you're in this situation where something's changing dramatically or you're making big decisions now, you know, it's so easy to when you're making a big decision to just go online and just sort of fall down this information rabbit hole. And I was telling him, I said, you know, in some ways, life was a lot cleaner in that regard when I was his age, because there I didn't have, there was no Internet or, or if it existed, you know, the consumer didn't have such access to it. So I was at the library a lot, you know. If I heard well, something, glad I, hear that. <laughs> I was, I mean, I spent, it, it was the internet. And I mean, I really, you know, until I had money to buy books, which I didn't at that age, that was where I went. So if there was something I saw that interests me, or if I needed a piece of information, that was really just where you went, you know, and you, then you went down a book rabbit hole, at least back then for me, it mm -hmm. was like a trail of books, you know, like, okay, that subject definitely interests me. Well, let me see what's what else is in that category and just meander that way. I, I find that yeah. I want to almost do that again. And I'm trying to experiment with that, like mm -hmm. narrowing my options versus expanding my options, which goes so against the grain of what <laughs> we're all receiving, just information in every direction. But I, you know, there's something about just going to the library, just going and just going, okay, Definitely. it's settling. Yeah, if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, right now, that's what I'm doing as finding reading materials. I'll just walk into the stacks and browse and look, and something will catch my interest, whether it's the cover of the book or something on the spine. And that's how I'm choosing my reading materials, or I'm asking friends for recommendations. But there's so many different ways that people um, search for their information now or search for books. So the library is still a wonderful way to just come in all of our um, employees can give book recommendations, and uh, specific ones are kind of specialized in that. They really love to help patrons find the book that would be perfect for them. And so, yeah. It's a and it's, um, you know, a, a lot of the big news um, today is fake news or misinformation. And I know when you Google a certain search term, you'll come up with over a million different topics on that particular search term. And each of them could be completely different. But 
rest assured when you come to the library and you ask us a question, we're going to deliver the truth to you. Um, we have specialized uh, reference programs that we use that will deliver mm -hmm. truthful, factual information to anybody who requests it. And like Katie says, we can put you in the direction of any sort of research materials that you may need. Um, your son may be looking for a new career. We have all sorts of information to come in and actually study on different careers. Um, we have online resources that you can log into and actually look at what the pay for a particular career would make or what kind of testing you may need for a, a, a particular career. So yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I pride ourselves as librarians to be able to offer truthful, factual information to those who would request it. Yeah, I like this. I, I like what I'm. I like having these types of conversations, and I like to see what it makes me think of. And you know, I, I don't know why I didn't think this was going to happen, but I find myself like rewinding to that younger mind almost, and I'm thinking about mm -hmm. how um, how excited I was, and when I would discover a path that had already been tread really well. And someone could take me there. And I like to camp and hike and paddle and things like that. And I always liked it whenever I was younger and we would discover, oh, this is a trail someone's it's someone's already walked mm -hmm. on before. Somebody's already put the nameplates out to let you know like what these these plants are. And in a way, as I'm listening to y'all talk, it makes me think about a library like that, which I guess I'd never really thought put those two things on top of each other but that's sort of a, a what i hear you describing it's a it's just a, a path with information that's already it's well tread it's organized and you can walk in and just kind of point yourself in that path and someone there is going to give you that information without it being uh biased or charged you can, exactly. you can consume the information on your own and there's no extra put on top of it it's just let me point you and, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if we find someone who's interested in a certain topic, it, it, the, the sky's the limit when it comes to information that we can give to you, um, not only in your hands, but also on your screen, because we do have so many virtual um, resources that, that we offer. And I, I pride myself to as a librarian um, we're one of the few places that no longer that well I say no longer that don't censor if mm. you're looking for a particular right. book we will get that book or do our best to get that for you um, somebody may not like that book but if that's the book you're looking for we will do our best to get it for you if we don't have it on your shelves on our shelves I'm glad you brought that up actually because that that's something that um you know, we're really kind of faced with right now in society, too. Like, you know, what is what is censoring and who's being censored? And, and, you know, do we have the ability anymore to discern things in a healthy way? And, I mean, that's where censorship almost arises from. It's like, well, we have we lose our ability to to manage ourselves in a civil way. And be and what what is it that's stimulating our inability to manage ourselves? Usually, it's something that people then want to censor because whatever that information is or that voice is, whether it's a book or an image or art, 
uh, it's triggering people and they can't manage themselves. And, you know, the first thing I always see people do is go after, they go after like, oh, we got to get the book off the shelf. We got to take the article down. We've got to censor the voice. And I really am kind of against that because it, it's like a muscle, you know, your brain. And it's like, well, okay, how do I learn then to be civil if I'm never faced with anything that tests my civility, you know? And so I think we're almost losing our ability to be civil. And, and, and I know that maybe is a stretch to tie that to censorship, but hearing that, what you said about the library, that was, I guess, again, where that, even though it's an, um, a narrower door than the internet that we you know with these phones in our hands yeah. at the same time, I can walk in there and have this ability to test my civility by entering into information without (laughs) it being painted a certain color before I ever consume it. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, uh, the library is not a one-way street. We're more like a traffic circle, I guess, (laughs) in that we're we're not going to give you one side of the view, one, you know, a one sided view. We're going to show you the entire picture. So like a traffic circle, we're going to spin you around in a circle and show you everything there is about a certain topic, whether it's, you know, point A or point Z. You're going to be able to put your hands on every viewpoint of a topic that you want. So I have a question. Do you have people who come in, I mean, still like adults that go, you know, I can't remember the last time I've been to the library. Do you ever have that happen? And you just go, oh, my gosh, and they're just blown away. (laughs) We have people come in who haven't been in in years, and a lot of the time their reaction is, oh, my goodness, y'all offer so much. There's so much going on here. Look how busy you are. We thought this was obsolete. And um, public libraries around the country have not become obsolete. They've become busier, and that's because we make a point to keep up with the way that people consume their information and and also put into the hands people who may not be able to engage in certain activities, like we have a virtual reality program that uh, we offer. And we had lots of teens come in who said, we would have never been able to do this. My parents didn't have, you know, want to pay the $20 or whatever it is to let us try this out. So thank you so much for offering this at your library. And we're constantly looking for opportunities like that to put information and to put new technology into the hands of everyone, um, equitable access, not just equal, but equitable. So just because something is offered, somebody may not be able to come in and take part, but we try to make it happen where we reach people where they are. And that's something that I really love about our library system and makes me um, think that I will have a long and happy career here because it is (laughs) such a wonderful way to connect with our community and just offer those services to everyone. The library is for everyone. Exactly. And and I think probably one of the hardest parts of our job is keeping up to date with technologies. Mm -hmm. What are patrons using? What is the communities using? What do they need Um, when people want um, either entertainment or information or like you said, just going back to just straight up learning about something? 
I would I hope the first thing that they think of is the library and it's our job to be able to give them access immediately and not say oh well we don't have that yet you know that's why we need to stay 10 steps ahead of our community so that when they need it we can provide it and I want to add on that Christy because it's also a big part of librarianship is knowing your community so what exactly. might work you know, in New York City may not be what our um, Calcasieu residents need or want. So it's really getting in and knowing your community and being able to check back and see if this working. Is it not? Okay, how can we modify this to actually meet the needs of our patrons coming in? Yeah, exactly. Y'all, y'all saying that? I mean, you real? I mean, I'm thinking about our even my job, my day job, you know, and all the varieties of jobs in the world. I mean, that's really what we're all trying to deal with, right? Is how do you continue to do what you do, which is obviously appreciated or needed or called upon to some degree, but how do you stay relevant in all these emerging communication tools? Mm -hmm. And it can be a bit much. I mean, I've felt it. I feel it all the time. I mean, I I see it even in my clients, you know, where Uh it's almost like information gridlock or technology gridlock. You know, it's like, well, we should be doing, you know, one, two, three, four, five. And you start to look at the list of what you think you should be doing to communicate (laughs) with people or, or serve people. And then you realize, you know, that some of these you're just not going to do very well because you're not spending enough time with them daily. And then that makes me, I've I've started to question, are those things that we ought to be doing then? You know, if we're, if, if they're not, if yes, there's a need, but it's not a huge need and we're not spending enough time with it to do it well, maybe we let some of those things go and we just put our energy into the things that we do know works. Uh, And I'm dealing with that right now, too. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm facing some of those same things. You know, it's even with the podcast world. It's like, how many footprints (laughs) do you want? You know, what is your uh, what are you measuring um, reach by? You know, what is your goal? What do you what do you really do it for? And, you know, and and stick the stick in those waters and go, okay, what can I change so this is uh, a good thing for everybody, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest questions I get personally, and Katie may receive them as well, is mm-hmm. with the invention of the ebook or the e audio book that you know communities can easily go and download from Amazon now. They they find they ask me all the time, well, are you going to get rid of your physical books? And I always tell them the answer is no. You know, there's always going to be those patrons that come in and want to hold and smell that physical book. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. at the same time. You know, we need to cater to the patrons who are on the go. They want something on their phone. They want to listen to it in their car. So it's important for us to almost be like a chameleon Mm. and be, you know, able to provide information in different avenues, such as ebooks, audiobooks, um, movies. We stream movies now through uh, our li- library. Yeah. So if you're interested in TV shows or movies, but you don't want to come to the um, library to check out a DVD, we realize that Netflix and, and, and other aspects like that are very popular. So we've actually uh, partnered with several resources that we can actually stream movies now. 
and it's absolutely free. I mean, it's uh, your library. You'll never pay for anything. Right. Canopy so, has become one of my favorite resources because it has the indie films and all that. You can stream five okay. per month for free. So that's one of my favorite resources, Christy, is Canopy. And um, it is. It's always going to be free, and we're trying to do that to make sure everyone can participate in these things or get access. And I think I read, correct me if I'm wrong, Christy, that even though we had the hurricanes and um, internet access dropped, our streaming and downloads of eBooks and some of our other resources increased despite the fact that we lost internet service. So it does show you that yes, I am one of those people that I will always <laughs> like to come in and find the physical book, but we we cannot deny the part of our community that does prefer to get their books, um, download them or online and things like that. So this is a very interesting yeah. thing. You know, it's got me thinking about some conversations I've had. I've had a lot of authors on the podcast and, and I books were my doorway into so many uh, key things that were, you know, crucial to me in my development. And I find myself doing something uh, that I did not expect would happen. But, you know, for many, many years, I mean, I've got so many books that I own. I mean, we don't even know where to put them. Some are stored away, some are out. And then I'm like, I'm not going to buy any more books. And then I get more books. And But what I noticed happening when I switched to digital, I tried that about two years ago. I said, well, let me start reading digitally. Let me see if I like it. And I did. But then I, I found with with that that um, I almost became kind of rabid about it. Like it was so easy to go, oh, I want this book now and this one. And I was like, I'm not reading all these. And then I started doing something really interesting. I was For me anyway, I would go get the digital copy of a book that I already owned because I wanted to have it on my device. Right. <laughs> so like the Tao Ching, it it's like, <laughs> yeah, it was like a life. It's a lifetime book. Right. I mean, that's one of these books I'll touch probably another if I'm lucky, another, you know, thousand times in my life, but I wanted it digitally too. But then I hit a wall where I was like, man, I've got all these digital books that when one, one or two would be so good. And then I'd turn around and go buy the physical copy because I wanted it. Like I wanted to have yeah. the physical copy because I didn't feel like I had anything. I know that seems so strange, but like with the digital, I just kept thinking, I just feel like this exists somewhere digitally, but I don't have it to i don't know why that matters to me it was like something about being in the proximity of the words that i'd read like in being <laughs> in my house with me like it's it's in your head and it's in your heart but i also want it on a shelf i don't know why uh you know <laughs> i i can totally uh understand where you're coming from it's like music you know you buy it on vinyl and then when 8-track came out, I have to have it on 8-track. And when CDs came out, I had to have it on a CD. And now I've downloaded it from Apple Music. So, you know, but, yeah. but it's strange because I always go back to vinyl records because, well, mm -hmm. it's just a lot of fun. But, yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from wanting to have a copy of something in various formats. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, man, I can't keep doing this. And so I, I've kind of retooling right now. I've stopped buying digital, and 
Um, and I only buy, if I buy books, I try to buy used, you know, books and save them from wherever they're at. And that's, you know, become a fun thing too. I mean, seeing what people have done with their books, a lot of times I'll get a used book and it's in pretty used condition, but there's usually like this notes and, um, things like that. And I love that because it's, it's almost like some people go to the extent of actually using the margins like journals almost. Oh yeah, and it's just little drawings. Little drawings. It's <laughs> yeah, really cool to see like where somebody was at, like kind of when they were reading it. And the other thing about that to me is that it um, it's like a human connection. You're never gonna, I'm never gonna meet this person. I don't know who owned it, but you can see like, oh, another human being read these words, and uh, mm-hmm. this passage jumped out at them. And here's a note as to what they were thinking about, just a little piece of their life. And if you're having even something close going on in you, it's like, ah, oh, this is this the human experience. The book can be, you know, a way to catch that sometimes. So I don't know. It's funny <laughs> that you say that. Um, I've I bought a book once um, just a few years ago, and it was from France in the 1990s. And I bought it because in the description they showed some of the little pictures that um, the reader had drawn. I can't read the words. I could look them up. I think I looked them <laughs> up at the time, and it's little little sayings. And um, it was it was like, wow, this person read this book and um, was drawing these little things at this time in their life, and I wonder about their lives. I do the same thing with art, though. When I find, a, I don't care who it was if I enjoy the content or what it is, and I buy a piece of art, um, I wonder, what were they thinking mm-hmm. when they created this? What kind of mindset were they in? Did they do this in a couple of days, or was this over the course of a few years? Things like that. And it's, it's. I know this is probably on topic but completely off topic we actually check out um american girl dolls that's one of the mm-hmm. new really? we, we, yes. we check out cake pans and dolls i and didn't know that all sorts of other mm-hmm. things wow but with the dolls that comes with the journal and the children that check out one of the dolls we encourage them to write in the journal or draw pictures of what they do when they have this doll and wow. i've looked at you and it's it's just it's amazing it'll give you chills at these the imagination that these children have and i hope that in 10 15 20 years when these kids are in high school or college that they can come back and look at that and say i remember doing that and that was my page and i wrote that and i took the dog to the park and we went to the movies and things like that's my artwork there so they should definitely be archived, Christy. That they, would they be really good. <laughs> see that would that's something I'm hearing you say that. I mean, it makes me think of textbooks even in school or um, even library books. I mean, when you used to check them out, there was that card inside, and you could sometimes see who was on there, the name of who had had it before right. you, or, or, or many years before, and that was kind of a neat thing to go, wow, look all these people, you know, and maybe find a name that you recognize or something like that. And that is kind of neat to go back and touch a book like that and and feel that history, that, that passing along of information. 
Yeah, and we also, um, and I don't know if you knew about this, but we actually ask patrons to let us borrow their old yearbooks. Oh. And we actually send them off and have them digitally scanned. Oh. And it's so much fun to come log on to our you know, website and be able to scan and look at all of these old yearbooks and just recollect all the memories of your class or see your parents in high school or anything like that. It's, see, it's, I didn't know y'all did that fun. either. Yes, we've in slow days at the information service desk, we'll look up classmates or look up you know coworkers and oh, and then show them look what we found. It it is a fun thing. It's a wonderful thing because it's archiving history of our area, and um, it's also just a really fun thing because you get to look back at that. Yeah. What kind of things do people, what are some common assumptions that people make that you find are just not correct about the library system? That That we're Amazon. (laughs) What's that? (laughs) We're Amazon. Oh. (laughs) We're so much more than Amazon.com. We may not be able to sell you a pair of shoes, but we can provide you with all the literature that they have there on Amazon, but it's completely free. That's the nice part, right? Right. I I can add to that because for me, being in the public all the time, it's that the library is always quiet and shh. Sometimes our our branches are full of people um, coming together to enjoy a program or that spills out into the children's area after a program. And um, it's not always a quiet place. Sometimes (laughs) it is you know, this community coming together and we have uh, programs on Saturday sometimes for the whole family because we heard sometimes that uh, one parent or the other or the caregiver couldn't get to our weekly programs because they were at work. Yeah. And so we started trying to do Saturday programs so that families can come together. And so sometimes there's this wonderful vibe just throughout the library um, of participation. Looking, We'll do scavenger hunts, so it kind of ties in and teaches them about the Dewey Decimal System or how to find books and things like that. So we try to make it a learning opportunity, but also fun for our community members. And again, it's about creating those connections with our community members. Um, There's a lot of places that sell books. There's a lot of places online that you can get information, but you can come into the library and be greeted by a warm smile um, and, you know, just create a connection with us. We're always happy to help. Long-time Find the Good News listeners know that we often meander into topics on spirit, mysticism, religion, and wisdom traditions. If you are interested in these topics, I encourage you to seek out my new podcast, The Dawn Deacon with Brother Oren. On The Dawn Deacon Podcast, I consider my small place in the whole of creation, asking the old questions that have perplexed human beings for ages. Why are we here? Is there a reason for our existence? How do we balm our sufferings? enlighten our minds, and awaken our hearts? Are there powers, energies, and realities just beyond our ability to comprehend them? On the Dawn Deacon Podcast, I share the teachings, practices, and perspectives I have gathered as I've made my varied, sacred, ordinary way. I hope you'll join me at the Dawn Deacon Podcast so that we can traverse this landscape together. 
Just search The Dawn Deacon with Brother Oren in your favorite podcast app or search engine, then subscribe. Yeah, that's what I've always found when I go. I mean, it, to me, it's a um, just a feeling of comfort. It doesn't feel... I, I know that seems strange maybe to some people, but it's like an escape to some degree because it's just it so... So much going on outside, you know, just you can put it down maybe for a little while and go in there. And it may not be like you said, like, you know, don't talk in here, but it's still still not as noisy as uh, some of the spaces out in the world. (laughs) Right. And, you know, thinking back on the, the hurricanes, there was a lot of patrons and members of our communities who came in just for that sort of warmth feeling mm-hmm. to feel like they're getting oh. back to normal to, to see their old friends yes um, you know, and a lot of it was to go use our computer or our wi-fi so they could get in touch with their insurance company but i think a lot of it deep down inside was them to just come in and feel secure um in yeah. a time that was just devastating to everybody yeah absolutely yeah that's interesting it's one of these things that I think that if it went away, we'd really miss it. You know, I mean, like that question about, well, you know, you're going to go all digital. I think it's it's exactly that gets right into the heart of it. I mean, the library, a library system is such a part of our lives and we don't I, I really do think I'm probably guilty. I mean, I can say for sure of not fully wrapping my arms around all of these things that you do. And, and instead of um, looking to paid entertainment all the time you know what can we do that and the library is is offering that it's a, a way to not have to just constantly reach into your bank account to go do some temporary fast entertainment it's something that you can get involved in it sounds like with your family the whole family as y'all said and stay involved mm-hmm. in that you know and always look forward to something to do because y'all are working really hard it sounds like to do that <laughs> <laughs> well, we we try, and I know, like I said, Katie uh, being in the programming department at our Sulphur Library, I'm sure she sees these young kids um, coming in, and they're small, they're toddlers, mm-hmm. and then you know, staff get to watch them grow up and become teenagers, and then become parents themselves, and they're bringing their children back to story time. So it's a it's a really wonderful. Um, and I keep going back to the word connection that we have with our communities because we, we watch them grow and we watch them thrive in, you know, our branches. And I think that that's so very important to libraries and themselves. So what do y'all, what's, what's coming, what's going on this summer? Cause I know summer is a big time for kids. I mean, they're out of school. They have a lot more time on their hands. Do y'all typically kind of beef things up in the summer in the programs department? Definitely. We, um, of course, right now, uh, kind of trailing off of the COVID situation, we have another virtual uh, summer event going on. But all our programming department, Katie especially, has been just super in adapting to virtual libraryism, I guess, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, by filming programs and then posting them on our Facebook page. So you get the same programs that you would coming into the library and you can still interact 
with the librarians themselves as the video plays. And we also have a ton of very special guests coming along. They've provided videos for us. They chat along, so you'll be able to chat along with these performers or these authors that are coming in. Um, I know Katie's really great about doing craft programs, and we'll let you know what we have or what you're going to need, and you can follow along and still do crafts. Um, Katie, if, I'm, though I'm probably missing a ton of things, but oh, there's so much going on. Um, well, we of course we have our summer reading program, which is for all ages. So we have programs designed specifically for the children and then teens and our adults. And it's really a fun opportunity because you get to talk to people about what they're reading. For the kids especially, it's important to keep them reading in the summer. We know now from various studies from the Pew Research Center and all of these that um, reading in the first 1,000 days of a child's life from the time that they can't read, just reading to them helps them with their early literacy skills, their print awareness, um, learning phonics, just being able to match shapes and colors. So um, reading to them even before they can read is going to help them with that. And then as they get into the early kindergarten, first grade, second grade, we know that if kids stop reading in the summer, they call it the summer slide, mm. where they regress. And so um, our reading program offers the opportunity for these kids to come in and keep reading in a very fun way. Um, one distinction between our reading programs and say, like in the schools during the year, a lot of the schools have what they call accelerated reader programs. And they're awesome and they keep kids reading at their level and help them uh, progress. But in the summer, we don't, you don't have to do accelerated reading. So kids will always come up to me in the summer and say, oh, I've wanted to read this all year, but I couldn't because it didn't have accelerated reading points. Now I'm going to read it this summer. Uh, so they're, so they're learning to read it's truly like for goals. just pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they don't have to do it for any other reason than just to enjoy the book. Yeah. And so that's a distinction. And it goes all the way up to adults. Um, it, encourages them to keep reading. I know for myself, it, you know, I want to participate. So I pick out my three books that you have to do to complete as an adult. And I get excited about it. And I browse and I find them and I get to log them. So all of that is done online. Um, if you go to our website, www.calcashewlibrary.org. You're going to see right on the home page. It's going to talk about our reading program, and you'll you can click right on that and then make your account in our Beanstack. It's very easy. Beanstack is the interface for it, and you just put in a little bit of information. You can sign yourself up as an adult or your entire family or just your kids, and then log their books, participate. We've got fun prizes. Um, in addition to that, as Christy was touching on, we've got lots of other things happening. Our virtual programming, um, it's, it's kind of specific to each day of the week. We kind of have it, have it lined out. On Mondays, we do early literacy for kids and our special performers. Um, Tuesdays, we do young adult programs, and we try to tailor that. We've got some wonderful programmers in our system who can really um, connect with the teens. And, and they do a great job of coming up with programs that 
that they will enjoy and that they'll be able to interact with or participate in. Um, let's see, Wednesdays we have story times. So our our librarians read books just like we would in our normal story time if we were doing in-person. So kids who are at home or um, can't make it into the library can read along and listen along to those stories and they do singing and fun activities like that. Thursdays, we do our adult crafternoon where we try to make it as easy as possible for adults to participate. So we're not going to do something that involves going out and buying a lot because we know our community community members may be short on resources right now. So we try to look around and say, what could they do for little to no money or maybe they have this at home and can do this with us um, and then fridays we have our steam our uh, science technology engineering art math uh, steam programs so that's usually for third to fifth graders and they get to follow along and we do a little experiment that teaches them about multiple aspects of steam and then maybe they can do it at home um, with a guardian helping yeah. them out God, that's so and, much. That's <laughs> exciting. And yeah. I, I, I invite, you know, Katie brought up our webpage, uh, which is www.calcashielibrary.org again. Um, but if you are ever curious as to how the library has evolved, what the library offers, um, our resources, our services, our programs, I invite anybody to go to our webpage and just click around. I guarantee you, you will be amazed at yeah. what your library offers. I was reading the history a couple of days ago to brush up on it, Christy, and it's very interesting to look. The first library in Lake Charles was 1901, wow. and then that was the, the Lake Charles Library. Then the Calcasieu Parish System came along. I think it was in the 1940s, and they finally— um, converged and became one around 1973. Oh, really? Um, that's that's so not that long ago. The whole history is on wow. there. The, yeah. And the whole history is there. It's really interesting. And then, like Christy said, if you click around, you'll see I'm always looking because we are 13 branches around the parish. Sometimes we don't know everything that's going on. And that was something I was thinking about with the virtual programs. Um, in the past... When we didn't have that presence yet, we knew we could see what the other libraries were doing, but we were never a part of it unless we went over to do something mm. to collaborate specifically. So for me, I've gotten to know our programmers so much better because of the virtual presence because I'm like, wow, you know, watch all of them. Oh, yeah. That's a yeah. really cool idea. I get to see their personalities, and I actually feel more connected um, to all of our programmers because we were able to, to do the virtual programming this past year. So that's interesting. So that's going to change things. I mean, you know, I know it's been hard on people to not be face-to-face, -face, but – having to do what y'all have done and re rethink, you know, and, and go all in with that as we slowly move back to in-person uh, encounters in all kinds of different capacities, mm -hmm. you know, you'll exactly. be able to, you'll, you'll be able to take everything you've learned and go, okay, what really, really worked that people were responding to that they still will respond to regardless or how to make hybrid events. I know that's coming up in a lot of, uh, yeah. 
Yes, hybrid um, yeah. events. <laughs> and if We've there's anything about. we learned during the pandemic, the hurricanes, um, was how to adjust to the times, how to be that chameleon again. Definitely. And I really think that in the end, we're going to come out of this being even more um, amazing. I'm patting myself on the back. More amazing than we already are. But, um, you know, like Katie said, we really learned a lot. And it's going to help us broaden our, uh, you know, touch to the communities that we serve. Can I add just a little bit to that? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a very interesting process that just kind of, came up suddenly, just like for everyone else at the beginning of the pandemic, and then especially for our area with the hurricanes, um, that we went from having this whole summer of in-person programs planned and all of these things to what we have to do something virtually, what do we do? And we just took iPads home and started creating and looking, of course, around. There's lots of wonderful public library systems around the country, and there's American Library Association that immediately jumped in to try to um, help with guidance, uh, what you can do, here's some ideas. So it was a really interesting, but also a fun process to kind of move towards that. But we also made sure, because we understand that there are people who don't have access to the internet as well. So while you're moving towards the virtual, we were also very aware, like, hey, we can't leave people out who can't um, access that. There is a real thing, the digital divide. And so I was really proud that our system um, took that into consideration and said, hey, we have to do something. They did multiple things like expanding the broadband out into the parking lot so that a family or someone who needed to uh, work on mm. a paper for, for class could come and sit in our in our parking lot and feel reasonably sure they, they could connect. We also put out a lot more um, uh, hotspots. We called them lucky day hotspots. So we added a lot of those. In addition, you can check out a computer so that people could, you know, put those pieces together and have access in that way. And we also continued to try to see what services we could offer in branch. And we did a couple of things um, like grab and go bags. Mm -hmm. each, each branch put together for kids. Uh, I know at the Sulphur Library, we were doing about 125 a week that were going last wow. summer that has little activities. It may go along with our story time, um, fun little things for them to do where a parent could literally come get out of the car, take one. They're usually outside, so they didn't even have to come in, and they could just grab it and go. And uh, we have now kind of extended that for adults and teens because oh. we saw that there was – yeah, we saw that there was <laughs> a lot of interest there. And part of us – part of we thought for just a moment, well, maybe we missed the trend that was kind of – they had tried to start doing it um, – around the country a little bit earlier, but we had the hurricanes to contend with. So that kind of knocked us off of our feet for a while. And we just started that this month. And we were also surprised that we had, I think, nearly 400 teens and adults sign up wow. in one month. Um, so that's available too on our website. They can sign up for the 
subscription services or come in and just ask to be added to the list. So we have that going this summer and um, just uh, there's so much. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> one of the things that I, I've thought about this whole time during the pandemic and even the hurricanes and, and just all that's went on the last year was just the effect of isolation on people, you know. Um, whether they're aware of it or not, Mm -hmm. you know, how it changes you and rewires you to some degree and how it can be really an unhealthy thing for some people that really don't have that ability to be isolated. They're just not comfortable being uh, cut off like that. But what it, what I'm hearing as I'm listening to y'all is that that's really a gift that y'all have for, to give to the community is that you don't have to be isolated completely in these types of situations that the library is really working to, connect people in, in a strange way or to give them that human connection and, and, and activity, something to do. I mean, sometimes just having something to do can take you outside of a, a bad space, you know, and to know that y'all are there offering that. I mean, whether you're a, a kid, a teen or, or an adult, I mean, we all have that moment, I'm sure, where we just go, you know, mm-hmm. I need to, I just need something to do, something that I can stay on for a little while, something to let me take my mind off of, um, the other things that maybe surrounded me in my life. And so, yeah, to know that that's a healthy avenue, um, you know, and, and I, and I say that because so many people think immediately that you need to, um, seek a mental health professional, you know, but sometimes it's just connection, just having an outlet or something to keep you active. That can be the beginning of just some healing, you know? And as I'm listening to y'all talk about all that, I'm going, what an opportunity, just going to get those bags could have been like a real life preserver for somebody. And who knows? I mean, really? Yeah. And that's still going on for the whole summer. We just started back up this week. We took a couple of weeks break to kind of reorganize and get ready for summer. But our, our grab and goes are still there for the kids outside right now, five days a week. Um, And, just what you were talking about, I feel like we should mention our outreach services that Maplewood, our Maplewood branch provides because oh, really? they do a wonderful service. Um, people in our community who are homebound for whatever reason or cannot get to the library, they do a service where they will tailor to that person's specific interests and needs, and they will bring them materials and check them out to them. So if they cannot make it here, they can sign up for that service and have the materials, DVDs, movies, magazines, books, all brought to them. And it's just a great opportunity to keep those people from feeling completely isolated and from also letting them use our services that they are the library is for everyone. Exactly. Exactly. The word library. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) I was going to say, you know, and, and Katie, you know, brought up a good point. It's not only are they receiving the items that they requested from the library, but they're also getting that connection, that warm, smiling face, you know, while they may be isolated. And, you know, I think that just goes a million miles of good just to be able to do that for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you just never know what that's going to look like for somebody. And that's really awesome. To That's what I love about having these kinds of conversations, you know, that 
you're putting something out there, you know, and that's what y'all are doing. You're just mm-hmm. putting something out there and you just don't know where it's going to land. In y'all's case, you actually do kind of get to see where it lands to some degree. And that's really mm-hmm. a special thing. I'm sure. I'm sure it warms your heart whenever you get to hear um, a story where the library has helped somebody or touched their life in some way or got them through something or maybe pointed them even towards a resource that changed their direction. Yeah, a very rewarding experience and a very rewarding profession to be able to provide either uh, educational assistance entertainment assistance or even just emotional assistance of having that person to talk to um it it really makes you feel good on the inside it does i i hear myself talking and getting ramped up and it's because from my heart i do feel that warmth that the library helps create in our community just like so many other wonderful things in our community and um so I do. I get excited about it when I talk about it. <laughs> you know, it's funny, and this is really peeling back the can on my life a little bit, but I'll, I'll share this because I'm just thinking about it right now. I remember, you know, when I was a kid, the way I would think of the library or even the school librarian, you know, mm-hmm. and it'd be, it was an iconic role, you know? I mean, it's like... um part of society it's it's a, it's a figure there's when you say librarian and to anybody they're going to get a picture in their mind i mean now an actual librarian may have a different yeah. picture but but the public is going to have a picture <laughs> that pops up in the mind whether it's something they've picked up from pop culture um or maybe they've had an experience in childhood with a library or a librarian but they're sort of this sort of maybe a little nebulous archetype that's out there in <laughs> as a child, I guess spending time in the library for various reasons, I kind of guess I formed a a, uh, a a picture like that. And I remember years later, I, you know, I was an adult, maybe in my mid-20s, and I went into the public library, and one of my classmates was working as a librarian. And I remember... I've thought about this person so many times because they still work in the library. I won't say who they are, but we went through grade school, junior high, high school. And I wouldn't say we were like best friends, but we were always friends, always a kind mm-hmm. person, always gentle natured. And I just remember when I saw them there and then over the years seeing them still there, I was like, God, this was the perfect like life <laughs> just did the right thing with this person. I mean, at least from my little child mind this archetype i was like it was like life just went you're you belong in this role you know and it's like they just jumped in this little raft and that stream just whatever it took it put them there and, and that's where they belong and i i still to this day like think that i mean when i see them i'm like <laughs> all these years this was like what you were born to be you know and that's kind of a cool thing actually i think it's like a superhero like I this think, was your destiny i think a lot of yeah, I think a lot of people would be surprised now when they come in that um, the librarian has morphed from this uh, <laughs> the old lady with the bun and the cat eye glasses <laughs> and the cardigan to a just 
a plethora of individuals. They may have bright green hair, blue hair. I know at one time I had bright colored hair, um, tattoos, piercings. But, you know, deep down inside, it's just, you know, wanting to serve the community. But it, it did, I don't know if you knew this. There's actually calendars that go out. We haven't done one, but other libraries have done it. Um, it's called uh librarians with tattoos oh and that's it's cool actually, your monthly every month it's a new librarian showing off their tattoos i did not I know just, about that but that's a cool thing you'll have to look, <laughs> google it i hate to say google it but look it up <laughs> i mean the library is um it's in so many movies too as a as a part of critical scenes in movies i mean i as i'm talking to y'all i'm thinking of the ones that i remember the most that i loved like one of my favorite movies when i was a kid was ghostbusters i mean that movie starts off with a ghost in the library but then later on in the 90s and early 2000s uh there were two movies that the library played a big role in was um one called matilda which is a book you know Mm -hmm. but the movie Mm -hmm. you know she goes to the library and absorbs all this knowledge and another one of my favorite movies was with john travolta uh called phenomenon and i remember you know he has a tumor that sort of wakes up parts of his brain and he's just at the library just reading and reading and reading and the way i was fascinated by those two movies i thought man is that something you can do like can you i really did think that i was like (laughs) can you just like read and just learn that that much you know and be able to acquire this knowledge and then put it into practice that easily you know that was fascinating (laughs) to me but you know having the library uh be in those films that way it's a bunch of other ones i mean as we were talking i was like gosh there's just so many there really are films where the library is a big part of where something important happens in the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I could honestly say I, I, when I was in high school, we'd always go for some odd reason, hang out, the, hang out at the library. Now this is back when the library checked out vinyl records. So you can see how long ago that was, <laughs> but we always just congregated there and hung out. And I never would have thought in my wildest dreams that, I would be working here and made a career here. But my first day, um, I started out at the Moss Bluff Library as a library assistant. And the first day when I left work, I knew I had found Mm -hmm. where I wanted to be. And I think it was that sort of altruistic body or something of I really like helping people. I really like, you know, talking to people. And now I've got a career of doing that. So I think it's 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 definitely librarianism is something that, you know, you really have to have a heart and a feel for public service right. in doing it. That's interesting, Christy. I didn't know your backstory on that, but <laughs> I had I had a moment like that too. Um I started my career in entertainment, you know, I was in ballet my whole life, I wanted to be in entertainment, and I kind of got to fulfill that, and at a certain point in my, later on, I was saying, you know, I really, I really want to do something that helps people, I really wanted my next move, and my hopefully um, life career is going to be something where I get to help people. My mother, who was 
in libraries and many different capacities throughout her adult life, kept saying, you know, you should really look at the public library. And I had been in and out of them my entire life, too, even doing some programs and things like that. And um, I looked up the Calcasieu Parish Public Library. I said, let me, let me look a little more. I know the library, but let me just look at the web page. And I read the mission statement. And that is the moment that I knew I want to work there. It actually made me cry. It brought me to tears. Um, it has since changed because we do rework our mission and our value uh, values every few years just to stay up to date and current. But I read the mission statement and something just clicked. And I said, yep. this is this is where I want to be. And um, you will find that kind of story if you talk to many of the people who've been here for years, they had a moment like that or just a realization that this is where they wanted to be because it's such an integral part of our community. And it's, it's a wonderful place to work. And <laughs> I love hearing, I love hearing that. I love what you both said about that. I mean, I'm loving how you're just like, you're telling your story and you're telling your story and you're both like smiling and nodding. It's like, <laughs> yes, I get it. And and you use the word librarian, librarianism. I've never said that word in my life and I never thought of it in that way. But, you know, <laughs> as you're talking about it, that's something that I think is so beautiful that to be able to help people in a universal non-judgmental way mm -hmm. that is so difficult to do with almost with with a lot of entities groups whatever they may be whether it's you know even some public servants or political groups or religions or whatever it may be to help the community um, to be able to enter a space that is wholesome good very human um, and of service and yet remain unbiased universal to all mm -hmm. I, i'm attracted to that kind of thing and to hear y'all talk about it that way it just takes it up a notch it's like it's elevating it to a, diff a different place than i've ever really looked at it before yeah there's so many different layers to to the service that we provide uh, you can sort of tell when someone comes in and just needs something done like they just need a quick fax sent or and they need help with it um and then i feel like most of us can see when there's teachable moments mm. and people are looking for a little bit more they don't just want you to put the information in their hands. They want you to teach them how to search for that information um, in a best way for them to connect to it and find, you know, like we were talking about early on, don't go down the rabbit hole of misinformation, which is mm -hmm. such a huge problem in our society right now. And so we're always looking for those teachable moments. And I've heard co-workers engage in those and it always just puts a smile on my face um, yeah. to hear those kind of uh, evolving into more than just giving them that information but yeah. actually them learning how to yeah. search for this information on their own that's, that's and really lovely. you know sometimes it's very rewarding i say sometimes most of the times it's very rewarding to go to bed at night and think I may have made a difference in somebody's oh, lives. Man. They mm -hmm. may have been at the end of their rope and, you know, something I said or something I did for them 
change that for them and now they have a positive outlook on life so really it's 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 a good feeling to know that you're there and you're hopefully and most certainly making an impact on lives that to Mm -hmm. me is a huge thing i mean I can't tell you how many people I've talked to. You know, I'm 46 years old, but it, it probably started around 10 years ago. I started having encounters with people who are, you know, hitting 40, 42. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, the things I would hear them say were like, you know, I've made a career choice, but it's just not. Yeah, I got a house and I got the boat and I'm taking the vacations. I got all the stuff and it's just not enough. I just am not 100% happy. I feel like I should be doing something with my life. And you can tell people that are going through that, well, you are doing something with your life. I mean, are you taking care of your kids? You you know, you're married. Are you involved in anything? But still, there's like this seed of discontent that I just am not doing anything. And when I listen to what y'all are saying, it's like you found a way, that, that nice spot where your career is fulfilling that. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like two separate things where helping people has to be fit into your life. It's right. your career is such a <laughs> all of us. Our careers are such a heavy part of our life. It takes a lot of our time, you know, to feed, shelter, food, clothe, all those things. And if you can help people, I just am trying to think of like what that does to you guys. I mean, like that's got to be rewire you i guess and over the long term to where you're like you said you're going home at night knowing that something Mm -hmm. you did today helped someone in a positive way like for me i can tell you that maybe this podcast is that but this is only a small part of my day i mean the bulk of my day is going to be doing my quotey fingers career and, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm doing something, and it's an activity that generates uh, income, but it's certainly not touching anybody's life, right? I mean, I'm not going to go to bed tonight and think, gosh, I designed this great map today. <laughs> you know, like, well, I don't weigh in. <laughs> I mean, I just you don't. But know. I just don't think of it that way. It's more of a utility, right. you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. more of a something that people use sure but it's not bringing them hope and joy and <laughs> those types of things are uh so yeah it's interesting to just to see that on your faces this sort of feeling yeah. of like yeah like contentment this is this is a good career choice i'm happy yeah. you know, that's what that's what i'm getting from both of you it's very well, fulfilling i i spoke to a gentleman yesterday and um he, you can just tell and i'm sure katie can relate that when somebody comes in you just know they just want to have a conversation mm. so i've struck up a conversation with this gentleman and we talked about different things and then as the conversation came to an end um he, he thanked me he said thank you for for listening thank you for the conversation he said i appreciate your smile and mm. i told him i said it cost me zero dollars to smile and be nice to somebody and it it, it's really rewarding like i said i sound like a broken record to be that to somebody especially as a profession and to give them what they need even if it's just a book or to recommend a book or something you know you never know the background like i said this person may be on the edge they may be ready to just end it all Mm. and it just took one moment in satisfying their need 
either by a smile or providing them what they need in the library to make a difference in the world. And for me, that's what keeps me going Mm -hmm. every day and breaks me the most joy what I do. And as the, the PR individual for the library, I love going out and telling people about the wonderful services that we have because we do have so much and there's so much that they can bring to you, not only on a knowledge basis, but also as some sort of fulfillment basis. You know, if you're just looking for a place to bring your kids to hang out, you know, a safe place, you can come and you can enjoy it. And and the librarians that work there are really happy to provide that. Yeah. That's something that is, all of that that you just said, and this is a kind of a deviation, but I, I appreciate greatly when somebody takes time to actually engage with you outside of just the norms of their job the parameters of what they're uh, designated to do, you know, just the bare minimum. Um, I like a good thorough email. I like a letter. I like that kind of communication, even in when it comes to customer service or whatever it is. And I actually had an encounter mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago with, I, I had something, I a, a needle in a haystack thing that I had purchased, you know, almost a decade ago, but I needed some kind of a receipt mm-hmm. for it to do something else. And, I have, I called the company. I said, look, I'm shooting in the dark if you can even help me. I don't know who trained this person. I don't know if it was just who they were. But I, I went and told my wife. I said, I just had this sort of very human customer service experience that I haven't had. And <laughs> I mean, I, I realized it was in stark contrast to most of what my experience had yeah. been. It was a lot more akin to what you had just described. Like... He, gen- this, he genuinely seemed to want to help. Um, mm-hmm. Now, ultimately, they couldn't help me. They tried, but I told Michelle, I said, I they didn't, they couldn't help me after a couple of days. But I said, this person, like, just, I don't know, it was just strange. I don't even know. I'm sad that it was strange because it ought to be the norm. But I guess, yeah. I guess I'm telling you that story because it is valuable to people. Like, I even though it was just him doing his job, I felt. Um, like I was having a real human interaction. Like he recognized, hey, here's a, another yeah. human being on the other end of this conversation. It's not just this commodity to be moved through the system. Right. Because exactly. you can tell, you can tell, especially in phone conversations, because there's not even the face to face. So you're just using the one sense of listening and you can hear it in their voice. And it's interesting that your experience i've overheard um several times in our branch people say exactly that they said you know well you tried for two hours to you know do this or get me into my email or whatever and even if it wasn't successful the fact that somebody had had put forth that effort in a genuine way um it was enough. They left the experience still being happy and feeling good about the situation, about the outcome because of that connection and that interaction and the time taken to be genuine. Mm -hmm. It matters to people. I mean, it's, um, I think that may be the payoff in doing what y'all do too. I mean, that, that just that human connection. I, I don't know the, um, 
the value of that is something that I, I almost can't put my finger on. I just know when I feel it that I feel different, mm-hmm. you know, that I feel seen. And I don't know why that matters, but it does, you know, that I feel acknowledged that I exist and that I'm um, just trying to make my way. Sometimes that's all we need. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, you yeah. know, to, just to go, hey, we're all in it. We're here. We're, we're living. We're breathing. We got any number of circumstances affecting our lives. If we could just acknowledge that in the other people we meet, just that alone and go, hey, I have no idea what's going on in your life today. Let me yeah. bring my best face, my best attitude that I can. And let's see yeah. how that goes instead of me bringing my worst. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> especially over, you know, with what the storm, I keep going back to the hurricanes, but it is something that happened to our area that we can all understand. Um, you know, it was a big deal and it was devastating. So especially right now, we don't know right. what others are going through. Exactly. I mean, there's coworkers whose houses were destroyed in every branch and they, they came into work and I see them giving their best customer service um, despite what's going on in their daily lives and as we begin to each have an opportunity to get something fixed you're getting your roof fixed today we cheered for that person yes go get it done but yes with our patrons we have no idea sometimes unless they tell us so it's as a general rule we try to be non-judgmental and accepting and try to get that person whatever it is if it's leisure if it's information they need for um, filling out their insurance or if it's just looking for a brief connection and dialogue. Yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. exactly. And, you know, we're just like any other uh, service-oriented organization. We do occasionally get a grumpy person come in. (laughs) You know, they're upset about something. But I think it's, it's definitely, as a librarian, it's our duty to understand that there may be something huge going on in their lives and you know it's it's maybe we can do something a little bit of something to help them and you'll find that for the most part they'll come in grumpy but just by talking (laughs) and being as nice as you can be and helping them to some extent they're going to leave very very happy oh yeah 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 it's true i mean that's something that I, I have found that a lot of times when someone's having that type of uh, whether they're bringing that in as their first attitude, most of the time it's just as a, a, a defense because that's what they've experienced, you know, somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So they just think, well, I'll just right. bring this in first and not to me. That's where a lot of our problems lie in our getting back to what we started with civility. I mean, I think it's where a lot of it comes from is just this sort of pre judgment on a situation and going well these people probably don't really want to help me so i'll just go in with an attitude because they've experienced that and you know if, mm-hmm. what y'all are saying is that you know you uh you try your best to not do that i think that's a great thing exactly and one of my favorite um library stories that i like to share is when we had our tax election um i'm sure everyone knows that we are a tax-based organization every 10 years we have to have our tax renewal so the voters go out and they'll vote yes or no whether or not they essentially want a library (laughs) right Um, so as the public information officer the director and i we would go to several 
community groups to discuss um, all about the library and what it offers the community and why this tax is important. And we went to one particular group and there was a gentleman there and he was, you could tell off the bat, he was voting no. He didn't see the worth in the library. He was very grumpy. Everything we had to say, he had a counteraction for it. But by the time we were done and just, you know, letting him know the great and good that the library does he came up to us after uh, the meeting and he said you know what you've changed my mind i see what the library is all about and i will be telling my family and friends to vote yes for the library awesome. so that was one of my most happiest moments was to go in there even though he was grumpy uh, but to go in there with a smile and be positive and show him how great the library is it, it changed his attitude and <laughs> it was wonderful it's awesome. Well, I hope this conversation, I hope somebody listens to it and it changes, maybe not change their mind, but maybe it opens their mind to the possibilities. I mean, I know I have it today just talking to y'all. I've, I've learned some things I didn't know, and it gives me a fresh perspective on, on libraries in yeah. general. We invite anybody um if you haven't been to your library in a long time pay us a visit come on in tell us you haven't been here for a while we'll give you a tour we'll tell you what's changed we'll show you the cake pans that you can check out (laughs) (laughs) that that Um, that's unique i didn't know that (laughs) yeah and all of the other little technologies that you can check out or you know visit our web page and just click around you can't break it just click and see you you'll be so impressed at what you can get for free and what your community library offers you and uh, mm-hmm. looking at katie i can see you're here go by and visit and you'll see those smiling faces behind the desk that are just there to be happy and, and help that's excellent well you know our first and it's great to break that first reaction of hitting that search bar right i mean for everything under the sun i mean we go to the search bar or worse we go straight to amazon you know, for, for a thing or an imp or a resource. And I mean, we forget sometimes, I think, when we're doing that, that we're not really just we're being guided towards something, but we're really being guided perhaps towards something somebody wants us to buy. It's ultimately what it is, <laughs> yeah. and whether it's a search or whether it's Amazon or what other any other type of, um, you know, shopping portal. But uh, the library is free and clear of that you're not trying to sell anybody anything mm-hmm. and that's a beautiful thing i mean it's so nice and refreshing to know there's a space in society and online where you're not being sold something right exactly and you're free um to think however you want you're free to check out whatever you want and you can be yourself in the library that's a beautiful we'll thing always be that way the library is kind of punk that way yeah. I, I'd like to think so. <laughs> you can come in with the mohawk and uh, or you know wear your Sunday best, and we're going to serve you the same way uh, to anybody as we we would ourselves. So. Yeah. Yes, we're, That's we're cool. very inclusive. Exactly, <laughs> I like that. Hey there, good news listener. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed producing it. 
Now, it's time for the Fishing for Goodies segment, where I turn my interviewer role over to the Good News Fishbowl. Longtime listeners know that the Fishbowl contains over 400 unique questions, many seated by you, the listeners. Did you know that you could submit unique questions to the Fishbowl? That's right. Just call the Good News Hotline at 802-459-1668 to have your question added. You can also visit findthegood.news and send me an email. Now, let's take that dive into the fishbowl. So you guys, I'm sure y'all both listened to Find the Good News before? I sure do. Okay. Well, I have a- I have a funny story about the first time I heard oh, about really? it. Oh, really? Yes, it was actually in the library. Was it really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was. Um, the first episode that I li- ended up listening to was about Jody Taylor. Oh, yeah. Summer of 1995. Yeah. Um, and his mother is part of our coloring group, uh, Beverly Taylor. Okay. And she... And she um, was in, and she was talking about it, and, you know, my son's going to be on this, and then, then she posted about it. Oh, and okay. So, so I said, oh, this is what she was talking about, find the good news. Of course I want to find the good news. <laughs> yeah. So, so I listened to it. Cool. And, you know, I knew of Jody Taylor from um, – from the, his work in the community and with yeah. music, and my my husband runs ran sound in Lake Charles for lots of different venues and artists and musicians, and so he knew him well. And so it was just an interesting way to be introduced to it. And then I've tried to listen to a few, and uh, I, I just listened to the one you put up, episode one eleven. Oh, was like with um, for Memorial Day. Yeah, for the, the guy that did with Do Good. He has a project called Do Good. The, yeah. Yes, the butterfly on the battlefield. Yeah. It was, it was very uh, introspective and also important for people to kind of get on that level and hear what he had to say. Well, good. So. I'm glad you liked that. I, I that you know I've, I've been sitting on that one. We recorded a while back, and I do that with a lot of episodes. I've been trying to not put as many out back to back to back because I feel like they're longer. You know, we'll have we're we're here. We're talking about an hour and twenty minutes so far. And you know, after you've listened to one good podcast episode, it's hard to have another long one a week later. You know, and you end up with this <laughs> catalog where I think people maybe don't go back as they're like, ah, I don't know if I can just keep listening. You know, to this. So <laughs> I'm trying to space them out a little more. Uh, but you know, yeah. uh, also there is the people that go back. They're trying. They're evergreen, so people can go back mm-hmm. and listen to any of them. You know, the, there's something mm-hmm. in there. To me, it's not necessarily even like with you guys. I mean, you're telling me what's going on for sure. I mean, that's important. It's current, but I think it's the human story. It's there's an idea mm-hmm. in each episode that mm-hmm. comes out, and it's like, oh, that's something. Maybe not necessarily something I can act on right now, but it's a perspective I can adopt or uh, a story that I'm going to remember, you know, to help me in some way. So that that's really that's what I get out of listening to podcasts. So we're hope, hopefully generating that. Yeah, absolutely. So then if you have listened to the show, then you know about this. The fishbowl. Yes, the fishbowl. <laughs> okay. So with 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 multiple guests, what I do is I do it the same way. I'm going to draw three questions out, and then y'all both can just take a stab at it. Okay. We'll see how it goes. I have not. I have. You can hear me shuffling around. I'm sure. I'm just shuffling it up. I'm going to randomly you pull first, Christy. three. Okay. Okay. I'll give my best. 
Let's see. Oh, this is a great question. Okay. What is your greatest source of inspiration? The library. (laughs) (laughs) You know, going back to be heartfelt again, my greatest source of inspiration is definitely, um, and this might be a tearjerker, my grandfather. My Mm. grandfather served in World War II. Um, He was a forward observer. Um, I have his diary. Um, He talks about many days where he had to go to the front lines and didn't think he would make it back. And the letters he wrote to my grandmother saying, you know, hug the children for me, everything like that. And so I look at that and, I, you know, when he came home, my father said he never really talked about it much. But, you know, deep down inside, there were moments when he was terrified or he was angry that he had to do this and i look at my life and sometimes i get terrified to do something or i get angry to do something but i think well what i'm going through is nothing compared to what he probably went through Mm -hmm. and so i use that philosophy of especially here in my job of let things go if you're angry or you're worried because you never know what the other person is experiencing. Um, I know there's a lot of sayings about that, but I I use my grandfather as my inspiration on that of, you know, what I feel was probably nothing compared to what he feels. So every day in my job, what I feel may not be vastly comparable to what somebody else feels. So you go there and you do your best and you put on your bravest face and you put on that smile as a librarian. Like Katie mentioned, you know, we went through the hurricanes and we all had our houses destroyed, but we couldn't let that affect what we showed to the patrons. We always had to put that smile, that brave face outwards. So... I guess philosophically, that's where I get it. And he, my grandfather, his name was Joseph Duhon. Um, he's definitely my greatest inspiration. I have his dog tags tattooed on my arm, so I know he's with me every day. And he helps me to put, despite what's going on in my life, to put it and think of others before I think of myself. Beautiful. That was really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Y'all got really philosophical there. No, so. I love that, though. I mean, you know, you can tell he means a lot to you. That's, you know, that's what we all want to mean. So I, I, I do anyway. I mean, you want to mean something to the people in your life, you know. Mm-hmm. We're not always going to be here, but you want to have left an imprint that's gui- a guiding imprint, a guiding force, a rudder of some kind. So they can, you know, travel the, with their own wind, but you can help them whenever they, they are in that situation where they're not sure which way to go. That's all I could ask for in my life. I mean, when you're gone, you can't do anything else to help anybody. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're done. I mean, at least physically, you're done. So what what your grandfather's done, I mean, how beautiful is yeah. that to know that, like, he's like a rudder, like, straight up. I mean, it's solid and <laughs> secure. That's a beautiful thing. He's He's definitely my hero. All right, Katie, you're up next. Oh, am I? Yeah. Am I answering the same, answering question. The same yep, question? Yep, y'all both answer the same question, then we'll go to the second one. Yeah, okay, that's right. Um, well, my greatest source of inspiration is definitely being out in nature. That's mm. just who I am. There, 
I do not feel connect, as connected ever as I do when I'm out, just surrounded by nature, oftentimes alone. And just, you know, I really get a chance to quiet my mind and look around and you see all the little tiny bugs and everything. And I ponder about their lives and the significance and how we're all connected. And I just never feel more connected to all that is than when I'm out there. And that naturally for me helps with a creative flow and, and also brings me back to my center to where, um, I have the mental capacity and mindset to be the best person that I can be. If you're taking that into whatever aspect of your life, your home life, your family life, your work life. Um, So it's definitely being out in nature and it doesn't have to be anywhere splendid. My favorite place right now is the woods right behind my house um, because it is what it is. You know, there's down trees. Um, It's not perfect. It's, there's lots of things growing wild, but you see, all these opportunities one thing i've noticed is with with the down trees it uh, provided more sunlight to the forest floor mm-hmm. so there's all sorts of vines and things growing that wouldn't normally be there and i think oh the birds are going to have more food this summer hopefully because the blackberries are actually being able to make and things like that so yeah. that that's where i draw my inspiration from is yes. nature I can relate to that. I mean, many many wonderful people have found the same thing. I mean, it seems to be very much in our being to to want to be connected to it. It's like, I mean, I do the same thing. I mean, I want to go find a little patch that I can just sit in and watch watch it make the cycles through the seasons, you know, and and look at the little mm-hmm. things, you know, get close to the ground and and look at the things that I'm stepping on, you know, and just step lighter. But yeah, there's something, it's like medicine, you know, and I, I yes. tended to start looking at it like medicine because I know what my personal troubles are. I know what my mental triggers are. I know when I'm mm-hmm. fed up, you know, when I'm, when I'm full, when I'm overworked and stressed, I know these, mm-hmm. I know these things and I don't turn to mental, um, stimulants just i never really have but you know the way to deal with it's just been to go get i need some nature time i need whether it's a walk or a a boat a little canoe ride or something i got i like the sounds of the wind and the water and the Mm -hmm. birds i mean it doesn't have to be spectacular you know yeah yeah. It's amazing the, what a little fresh air will do to you. Little fresh right. air, yes. Or just <laughs> digging in the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah too. And you know, you Every, said something about the storms that I thought was really interesting and it's a, a lesson. I mean that we had many of our plants got destroyed during the hurricane, but you know, I thought I saved most of them and then the storm the ice storm came and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, I mean really rough stuff and but yeah. I was visiting with my mother uh, this past weekend, and I told her, I said, you know, everything that was um, frozen or just damaged that really just didn't look like it was going to come back, it's all come back. I mean, maybe a few things yeah. didn't, but the, they've come back, and there's even more, and that's just mm-hmm. the way it goes. I mean, nature just rebuilds and does it again, and if, if you mess up one spot, it moves on, you know. I think that's it. we certainly have our problems as human beings but um i I think if we weren't here nature would certainly not miss us we'd just just move on and (laughs) grow around all the things that we (laughs) 
<laughs> that we've built. So <laughs> I've seen that out in the woods where it just starts to take back over whatever it is. And you yeah. Think, huh. Well, you, you know? know, I was we were talking about that. Um, there's a near where I live. You know, I live near the refineries, which is another trajectory I'll stay off of. But um, as they grow, they buy these neighborhoods up, you know, and there's one particular neighborhood. We had some friends that lived down and sometimes I'll drive down that road. You know, the refineries own all that property now and they've just sort of. Mm-hmm. So the roads are still there and most of the houses are gone. But I look down there and it's just like this, it's almost like ghosts, you know, like mm-hmm. nature's taking it back. I'm sure eventually they'll expand in that way. But it is strange, I mean, to look at the implication of humanity, not necessarily the nice manicured yards, you know, anymore. It's just right. like people were here and now they're gone and nature just comes back and <laughs> takes it back. I, I- I think we as humans think that we are the superior beings out there, but I think uh, we've all come to learn, especially after the ice storms and the hurricanes, that Mother Nature is indeed uh, more powerful than the rest of us and definitely doesn't need us to survive. (laughs) I don't know where I heard this recently, but it stuck with me, and I I still think about it sometimes. It's like, you know, as human beings, what they said was – we measure intelligence by our intelligence. You know, mm-hmm. we, we state that intelligence, we're the pinnacle of intelligence. And so we look down upon everything from the top of the pyramid and we gauge it by our own level of as, as, as though there's nothing greater. And that is interesting to when you think about that, that, you know, perhaps we're not measuring intelligence the right way. Yeah, Mother Nature's are probably a lot smarter than the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. All right. Y'all, read... those... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, that's okay. Let's see here. Uh, question number two. Hmm. That's an interesting question. Have you ever won any kind of contest? Who wants to go first with that one? Or have you won anything? Have you ever won anything? Um, yes, I'll be, I'm trying to, I'm trying to debate on if I want to be philosophical about this again, <laughs> or if I just want to go say, yes, I won something. Um, <laughs> cause I love to go to the casino. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'll be philosophical again. Yes, I did win something. Um, cause it's kind of one of those funny library connections. I started out. Like you said, like I mentioned, part time, um, I took the job because I was restoring uh, my jukebox. I have a 1953 oh, cool. super jukebox that I was I needed extra money to restore. So I took the part time job at the library, and then I have an art background, and so they needed an artist um, to work for the library to do their advertising. So I ended up getting that job and uh, move up here to library administration. Well, across the hall was um a gentleman and um a few years about 10 years later he became my husband so so uh i guess i did win something i took a job at the library and won a husband that's interesting (laughs) there's my surprise of the day i I could have said about the baseball pennant i won out of a cereal box when i was a kid but i'll be more philosophical and say I, I wanted to fix up my jukebox, but instead I ended up winning. A, <laughs> and my jukebox got fixed. So. I like that. That's good. A win-win. <laughs> Very good. 
I don't know if there's any way for me to make this <laughs> philosophical. I, I've won something one time. I'm trying to think. I, I forget why I entered the raffle, but it was in Cameron Parish. Um, I hope it's still there. It was a little uh, supermarket called Browns. Does yeah, anybody it's know? still there. Yeah, it's still there. Okay. Yep. So I forget why I entered the raffle if a friend had asked me to. I think that might have been it. And so I entered just thinking, you know, giving to the fundraiser. And they called me, and I had won a trip to the Brown supermarket. So That's um, cool. My, my, yeah, it was cool. My parents, my parents, you know, we made it a thing. We got in the car and went down there and eventually went down to the beach after. But we went to Brown's first, and um, I was in – I had just – return to college uh and so i got to pick out things that i needed for um, my dorm room and a little bit of food and i remember being really excited about it actually yeah i think cool. it was it was a cool experience and so yeah i'm That's glad fun. browns made it <laughs> i'm trying to think like if i've ever won anything i mean as i, I asked that yeah. question i was like i don't know if i've really ever have won like a i think one time i know i did i remember this i um there was a cigar store in Lake Charles that had just opened, and I had went in and filled out a little thing, you know, dropped a business card mm-hmm. off or whatever. And I do remember winning like a a little pack of cigars there, but I don't think that's a long time ago too. Gosh, that's probably fifteen or sixteen years ago. But <laughs> I, I mean, but that, I don't think I won a whole lot of things like raffles. Uh, I do have something that somebody else won that I I kind of cherish. My parents won mm-hmm. a. When I was a kid, I played t-ball, and they were giving away or doing a raffle for this big stainless steel barbecue pit somebody had made, and I inherited it. I mean, even from that long ago, it still looks, you know, not brand new, but I mean, we still use it, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. It's just cool. like a testament to something made right, I guess. It's still... <laughs> it, a hand-me-down uh, yeah. <laughs> prize is, is just as good. Can, there's a story behind it, even a longer story behind yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, so. it's it. my kids, if they wanted it, I mean, they could use it. It's just sitting, yeah. you know, it's nothing wrong with it. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it becomes an heirloom piece eventually. Yeah. Hey, those are the best prizes to win is a good heirloom. <laughs> yeah, something that you can pass on. I like that a lot. I like exactly. that the story to know that, yeah. My son, uh, in fact, I'll tell you, just jump off track just real quickly. I had, uh, I have two canoes, and one of them got damaged in the hurricane, and it was my first canoe. It was one I, I had, my parents had bought it for me as a graduation gift uh, my senior year, because me and my good friends, we all went on a canoe trip together, so they bought me a canoe. Well, uh, it was used when they bought it, and so my mm-hmm. mom and I were actually just trying to figure out how old it actually is, and I had found the that it was in the 1978 was when it was made. So I said, well, wow. so it's only four years younger than me. But anyway, my son's mm-hmm. graduating, and so I was like, well, I didn't, wa- I just, it was, I didn't want to throw it away. I was like, I just – I can't just bring this to the dump. I mean, what do you do with a broken canoe yeah. that you can't repair? Anyway, um, my son was my youngest son was like, I wish we had a swimming pool. I just want a pool to lay in outside, you know. And I was like, Ah, oh, 
I know what I'm going to do with that canoe. So I took all the seats <laughs> out of it. I mean, it has the hole that's in it that can't be repaired is at the top. And so we it's 15 feet long and it's huge. So we filled it with water and he has been having the best time out there in that thing. That is awesome. Yeah. And so I got to <laughs> I sit out there story. and talk to him and was like, yeah, man. I was like, I, I've had, and I was telling him, I was like, yeah, I've had this since I was 17. And he was like, what? I was, and it was cool to just be able to sit <laughs> yeah. there, you know, and. My telling truth. the story, yeah. you know, that I'd never, and I told my wife, said, you know, when you're 17, I never could have, you know, you think of the history of an object, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, I couldn't have imagined that, you know, my son would be using it as a swimming pool when I was seven. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. You know, it's just not no. what you, <laughs> this is a good question. This last question, um, have you ever needed to find yourself? And if so, are you still looking? Heavy. Oh, gosh, that is a very heavy question. I think every day um, I'm still trying to find myself. Um, I think it's something that I'll probably be doing for the rest of my life. Um, I think as times change, people change. Um, but at the same time, and I'm going to contradict myself, I do think I found a part of me that I never knew was there. And that is that sense of giving, um, that sense of, um, just trying to put others before myself. Mm. I think that as a young individual, I think normally we're all pretty selfish. Um, I know I was very selfish as a teenager. I was a horrible kid for my parents. Say many a time my mom cried when I came home with tattoos and piercings. Um, but I think that as an adult, I'm the same age as you. I'm 46. Um, I have found that that's not so much of who I am. I get more benefit. Um, deep down in my heart, my soul, when I do something for others rather than do something for myself. Um, I think, again, going back to the library, you know, my first day at the job, I realized um, what I had found and what I really liked. Mm. And what I wanted to make a career in was, you know, giving to others. Um, So, yeah, you know, but at the same time, um, as the world changes, I'm still changing. I'm seeing, hopefully, the world in a bigger perspective. Um, I have friends from Europe, and they talk about how they do this and this and this. And I'm like, well, that sounds completely strange. But you come to realize that there's a really big world out there. And it's not just Lake Charles, or it's not just Louisiana, or it's not just the United States. It's it's learning about other cultures, it's seeing how they do things. Um, it's not judging books by their covers. It's it's investigating, and it's really just um, a sense of wanting to learn about things. And um, I'm I'm really into. Um, different religions and and wanting to investigate i was brought up hardcore catholic but now i'm learning to investigate that there's other outlets out there um and how to see them and appreciate them so you know 
I think I'm always changing. I'm always in the fact that I'm always learning and I want to continue to learn. So I, I hope I answered your question. No, on it's that. a good answer. I love that I answer. I felt like that I was rambling a bit, <laughs> but you know, I no. just like to think that my brain and my heart and my whole psyche is always trying to expand um, in learning and, and, and how this world turns. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. That's 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 not a rambling answer. I like to call those elastic answers. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> you know, we just keep stretching it and then changes shape. It's still the still the answer. I loved that answer too, Christy. Well, thank you, baby. I appreciate that. Now, it's my <laughs> my answer to that is is easy. It's yes and yes. Um, I've definitely had. Many, many, many moments where I think, what am I doing? Who am I? Who do I want to be? Where do I want to go? What do I want to learn? And I hope, I hope that I never don't have that sense of wanting to continue to, to grow. Much like Christy, you know, I, I don't want to become stagnant. I try to make a conscious effort to continue to learn about new things and, um, to get interested in things that I haven't been before or to go off of other people's interests and expand my own. Um, and I, I can honestly say, I, I, I hope that I never lose that. I hope that I never wake up and don't have a sense of, uh, wonder about continuing to evolve myself and just mm-hmm. see really dig deep into what life is about because we, we do, we get, um, drugged down. Sometimes we get bogged down in, things that happen that are out of our control or maybe they were of our own doing and uh, you can get stuck. I've definitely gotten stuck before and made a conscious effort to get unstuck and um, and then you, you look at yourself. I know from, for myself speaking, I can look back and I see different time periods where I'm like, whoa, I was a completely different person from this around this time period to this time period. Uh, it's a completely, so it feels like I've already left, lived maybe three or four different lives, you know, as far as keeping, continuing to evolve. Um, yeah. And it's something I think is a wonderful thing for most people to try to do, you know, what yeah. else are we here for if we're not to trying That's to true. keep, keep moving, keep, um, evolving changes all around us all the time it's the one consistent thing in our lives and so we can apply that to ourselves and and continue to change and be better people and individuals too those are both just such rich answers when i was in art school um i was one of those um artists that you know, everybody else's work was fantastic, but I always looked down on my work. And And my art teacher came up to me one day, and he says, I think you're doing that out of you want um, people to like it. And I said, well, no. I said, I do that because it's a challenge to myself. The moment I think that I'm the best at something and I can't get any better than this, this is my perfect way of being i will never stop challenging myself and so i've always looked at that in life that the moment i think that i have become the perfect version of christy i will never stop growing as an individual so i always look at that as a 
a way of, I guess, growing and thinking as a person. Yeah, I listening to both of y'all talk about that and then thinking about that question, too. I mean, it sort of Mm -hmm. gets into a lot of the what we talk about on the show all the time, you know, and I I think sometimes that for myself, I mean, my answer would be similar to both of yours. And it's that most of who we think we are is just a trick of the light most of the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I was standing out in my driveway the other day thinking something about this similarly. Uh we've been having a lot of rain, right? I mean, so we're, the water <laughs> rises and then it goes down and then we have some sunny days and I, there's this, our, we have a, a rock driveway. So and there's this dip in it. And I was thinking, you know, could I find myself in the dark? If I, do I know myself well enough to like, could I, the way I, just by feeling alone, would I be able to identify myself in the dark? You know, like not feeling like actually, but like, do I know all the textures of myself? Very interesting thought. Yeah, Yeah. because, I mean, I don't know if I could, because I don't know that anybody really can, depending on what's going on. And I thought about that that puddle. I was like, you know, when it's bone dry, if I Mm -hmm. were blind and I put my hand down on the ground and could I tell and could I tell someone where I was? You know, I might say, oh, this is my driveway. And then two days later I put my hand in the same spot blind and it's full of mud and water. Would I still think it's my driveway? That's just who we are. We're all filled with textures and depending on what's going on, that texture might be what's revealed at that time, you know, and that's okay. That's something I'm learning, still learning to be okay with is that the textures are different each time, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's okay for me to be bumpy some days and, yeah, you know, soft other days. That's just life. It challenges us, and we're kind of prickly sometimes, and sometimes we're soft. It's right. <laughs> it's hard to be okay that's... with that though, because we want consistency. I think we want to be able to say, "I am this." You know, it makes us feel comfortable to be able to be solidified in that identity. But yeah, um, I'm finding more comfort in the fluid. Uh, I... Yeah, I am too. I was just about to yeah. say, um, I'm, I'm. If I had a thing to say about myself, I'm very content with that sort of, you know, wanting to better myself and wanting to learn more about, the, yeah. you know, this is a great big world that we live in. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise you remain kind of stagnant, right? Exactly. You know, if you, if you never continue on or can look at yourself in a different light or ponder how does somebody else see me you know and not to say that you're going to change for that but just you know to get outside of yourself and say well i kind of see myself through this narrow lens or my own lens um and then you know if there are aspects that maybe aren't uh maybe or something that you want to work on to be able to kind of look at it in that way and say well i'm gonna work on this within myself and be okay with that right yeah you know yeah, it's true. I mean, that's something that I think is it's healing for me. But um, one thing that's interesting about that is uh, making sure that everybody in your life knows that you're that way too. Because when you're tr- when you're attached to people, and you've and they've grown to attached to a certain version mm-hmm. of you, mm-hmm. you know, and then yeah. you begin to experiment with other flavors in your life or your own your own dimensions. Uh, mm-hmm. Just making sure that they know that that's what's going on and they don't just go, Oh, you've made a permanent change. Like this is not, 
you know, sometimes people don't understand that people are multidimensional, you know, like, like a parent, like a parent is a great example. I've, I had that experience with my parents many, many decades ago where I had a big upheaval and I had, and it just sort of cracked open things that were in me that I had not really shown them before. And mm-hmm. so I remember when I hadn't seen them for a while and then they were encountering some of this that had emerged, I can remember like, I just can't believe you're this way. I can't believe you think these things or I can't believe you say these <laughs> yeah. things or what's coming out of your mouth. And it's like that kind of thing. And it's like, oh, they're not aware that, you know, new, that I've changed. They're still looking yeah. at me as this fixed person, you know. And change can be scary for people, you know, sometimes you got to drag them kicking and screaming into change. So, yeah, it can freak freak people out. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. But, you know, interestingly enough, this loops around to the library. I mean, the libraries, the textures of the library look different depending on who's coming into the library and what their needs Mm -hmm. are, right? I mean, they see the library one way and uh, somebody else might see it another way depending on how they're engaging with it. That's absolutely correct. And um, again, that's why I believe that as a library in an entity, we need to be that chameleon that constantly changes that so that, you know, because we have patrons who change and Mm. we need to keep up with them and be able to offer to them what they need. I mean, if we stayed stagnant, uh, we would be irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. So I got one last question. And it's the same one I ask everybody at the end of the show. Did anything good happen today? I woke up this morning, and that's a wonderful <laughs> thing. And it I'm is. meeting with you. I'm seeing you and Katie smile. And, you know, it brings a smile to my face. So, yeah, I would say today is going to be a good day. Good. Absolutely. I woke up and had coffee, which is always my first go-to thing to do. And it was a beautiful day. I looked out the window. It was gorgeous outside, maybe a little hot and humid, but hey, we're in southwest Louisiana. Right. We'll, 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 we'll work with it. We had a very lovely spring, I can say that. And um, SRP, our summer reading program, has kicked off. And we can. we're actually hearing more kids and things in the department. That makes me very happy. It's comforting. And um, it's a good place to be. So it's a good day. That's great. (laughs) So what's what's the one last takeaway you want folks to have if they want to connect with the library? I mean, obviously, go to any go to the library. I mean, if you can, right, if you're near one. And how many are there in our parish? Is it 13? Are there more? There's 13. There's 13? Yes, 13. Okay. And then they can go online. What was the URL again? Uh, org. Easy so, enough. Yep. And like I said, we invite you to come check us out at the library. We'd be more than happy to give you a tour. And if you go to our website, just be click happy and you'll <laughs> be amazed to see what all we have. Yeah, I like I what wanted, you said. Don't you can't break it. <laughs> you can't break it. I wanted to mention just one more thing about our summer program. We do have a um, a virtual art show right now. It's right. called Hope and Resilience. So anybody, any 
artist or just somebody who dabbles with art or just feels like contributing can upload to that right now. You can go on, you'll see the parameters on the website and we invite and encourage anybody in the community who wants to participate to upload a, a piece of art um, or something that inspires hope and resilience in them, which is so important for all of us in this area right now. Definitely, yep, it's true. Young and old can um, enter. If you're under 18, you'll you'll need a parent's permission, but that's as easy as clicking a button. Um, but yeah, kids can enter, adults can enter, anybody can enter. So if you want your art seen and you want to spread the thought of hope and resilience, um, look on our webpage. There's a link where you can put in your information and upload your artwork. Excellent. Well, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. That way people can just click right to it. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. This is awesome. I'm more thankful every moment that I found. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Christy and Katie of the Calcasieu Parish Public Library. To learn more about the Calcasieu Parish Public Library, please visit the links in the show notes. If you found something of use in this conversation, consider visiting findthegood.news donate, where you can help me continue this good news mission from the Louisiana Gulf Coast. I thank you for pressing play and for seeking out good news.